Hello? 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 Rethink. Rethink. Reimagine. Reimagine. Okay. Okay, America. Okay, America. Let's rethink and reimagine the American dream. I'm your host, Juliet Lamar, but I'm really just a co-host. We got some other people in here that I'm going to introduce in a second. But first, let's go into a little bit of the history. The American dream is the national ethos of the United States. It's the promise of freedom, prosperity, the opportunity of upward social and economic mobility. If you just work hard and you have enough determination and the society that we have has limited barriers, so you should be able to achieve greatness or anything you want, right? This is not based on your birth circumstance or your social class. If you work hard enough, you can achieve a very nice dream. It's a very popular motif for movies and books and plays, such as Of Mice and Men, The Great Gatsby, Requiem for a Dream, Pleasantville, American Psycho, and The Deathless Salesman, just to name a few of my favorites. The American dream is even rooted in our very own Declaration of Independence, which states that all men are created equal with the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All right, a few facts about the, before you're gonna change the channel, cause I know that you're like, why am she talking about all this history? Okay, hold on, I got some factoids for you. You can share this in your dinner table conversation, okay? And sound really smart. The term, the American dream was first coined in 1931 in the best-selling book, best-selling book, The Epic of America by James Truslow Adams. Now, okay, you can keep listening because we have more dinner topic conversation for you to improve your skills and sound even smarter. Even though it's just a bunch of history. Okay, okay, okay. Let's zoom into our current climate. The year is 2020. The situation, it's, it's not normal. It's not normal, guys. All right, so joining us to discuss are, are my amazing co-hosts, Dr. Phil Dumbo. He is the founder of Life Strategies LLC, consistently helping highly motivated performers achieve their peak potentials. We got Dr. B. Thomas. She is super impressive, Air Force vet, former federal officer, college professor, CEO of a cannabis company, doing it all. And we are joined by a new co-host member, Sam Ashkenazi. All right, a little bit about Sam. He gave me three words, not even a bio, just three words. This is a a Zoomer generation for you, okay? Like, really? This is a bio? Musician, producer, and marketing strategist. Do with that what you will. Okay, guys, let's get into it. Ow! Hello, hello. Hey. Welcome, Sam. Hey, Thank Sam. You, Welcome. Uh, all right, guys. The American dream. Um, does it still exist? Is it a new dream? We have so much to talk about. Honey. I all right, feel. Dr. B. <laughs> <laughs> let, me t- let me tell you something about the American dream. Um, I feel like people feel like they've been lied to. And they've mm-hmm. been hoodwinked and they've been bamboozled and they've been led astray, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like in this day and age where you have people who have lost their jobs, people whose businesses have been destroyed, a lot of people, people are questioning, what is the American dream? They're That's definitely the redefining it because they don't have any damn choice. Because because things have gone to ruin. And for many people, they're finding new opportunities from it. But they have to start from a place of nothingness. Many people are now starting from a place of nothingness, like rebooting. What does it mean to be successful in America? What does success mean? And some people are finding that it's beyond 
monetary things because their money has been taken taken away. And the only thing they have left is their family. The only thing they have left are the things that actually really do matter the most. You know, for, I, I completely disagree. And so... Um, <laughs> That's what we want. <laughs> well, I, I I do in the sense that I I, I think we're defining the wrong uh, the wrong thing. So I, I I don't think the American dream was ever a consciousness. It's it's a dream, right? It's something we do in our sleep that we we hope for. I don't. I I think the reason we're protesting today is because we demand that we don't wake up and that the dream becomes real, but. But but what are we actually saying? You know, you need a comparison. Right? The Ameri- the Ameri- what's that? Or I was going to say, I think it's also like an expectation and like a standard too. Like people, it's not just like social media and stuff and like the way people are scrolling and seeing like the best parts of people's lives. Like the American dream is just um, like, it, like an unachievable expectation for a lot of people. Well, I, I'm not sure, though, what what they think the dream is. Is the dream a destination? Is it that we're all millionaires by the time we're 30 years old because we created an app? Is it the fact that we can walk down the street safely and when we were you know, being raised in Russia and we came to America as an immigrant and in Russia, you know, you couldn't? Or is it the black experience that people are hearing about have been hearing about for 400 years, but people may perhaps are listening right now. For me, the, the American dream, my father was an immigrant. He came to this country post-World War II, right? I'm sitting here and maybe I'm, I, I'm, I'm trapped in my house, but every one of us has achieved some level, maybe not the success we had hoped for. And even the people that are starting from zero are starting not in the negative. Now, I'm not saying that they weren't hoodwinked because I, I think that, is that what you said? Hoodwinked. I wanted but, to use that word. Yeah, I could hoodwinked. <laughs> for me, for me, it's like what did we what did we change that 1931 definition into that has changed our definition of what the standard is. Right, your generation, Sam, fascinates me because it's almost as if there's nothing between start and finish. There's no real process. It's the outcome. We are not an American dream, a success story, unless what? What's fill that in for me? What What does your generation think on that? Um, I think it it's like an evolution of kind of like the previous dreams that it's been like the white picket fence with like the mode lawn and suburbia, like a golden retriever and a family, <laughs> like that classic dream. Um, it's kind of just changed into like that idea of like working really hard for what you want and kind of like always like moving forward. Um, but yeah, it's um, definitely pure capitalism, I think. Yeah. So, so B, is that what you were saying? Is, is that the definition for you? I mean, because you are very successful and you came from a difficult growing up in terms of financially, right? 
So, so where, where's the, I mean, I do agree that we've been bamboozled or hoodwinked. I'm just wondering if it was the American dream or if it turned into a nightmare. Yeah, I feel like people feel like they've been bamboozled, hoodwinked, led astray. For me personally, I feel like I'm living the American dream because it's all about your perception and what, how you define success. You know, that's number one. How do you define success? How do you, what is the American dream for you? For some people, the American dream may be starting your own business and running your own company. But when you're faced with these challenges, <laughs> these unique challenges that we have today, it makes you really question what is true success then? If I was measuring my success based upon how, how much money I'm bringing in from a financial standpoint, and all of a sudden I'm not bringing in that money, does that mean I'm no longer successful? Or can I develop another means to, to gauge my success? Maybe my new success is how many people can I help for free right now? How many people can I help you know, develop their businesses right now? Like I said, pro bono. Yeah. So maybe it just depends. Like maybe we're in a place where you're we're redefining what success means because, like I said, the shit hit the fan for a lot of people. And so I think some people are are now seeing maybe some systems that were, have always been in place. Maybe now they're becoming aware of these systems, and that's why you're seeing so much unrest in America because people are feeling like. The systems that have already always been in place, people are now becoming aware of these systems because of the current climate that we're living in. So they're becoming more aware of their limitations when before maybe they weren't so much aware of it. Maybe we what? should ask each of us what success means to each of us. I bet we get some different answers. Oh, yeah, definitely. What do you think, Julia? What's success for you? So success for me personally not for my, I'm not, I'm not the voice of my generation. I'm a weirdo. Um, is I just want to make people feel less alone. So whether that's a person on the street that I try to connect with or creating content, um, the world is a, can be a very effed up weird place that makes you feel bad about yourself. And I don't feel like even if you obtain whatever you think success is, if you feel alone, you haven't achieved anything. So I guess my goal is helping helping others feel less alone because it's selfish. It makes me feel less alone. And I just want to be with people understood and unique. And that's what I think success would be for me is feeling that support from everyone, which I already kind of do. I just want more. Uh, <laughs> all right, Sam, what do you think success is? Okay. So for me, I mean, I, I honestly have no idea. I know I realize I'm really young. I haven't really experienced much. But um, this is where I'm at. You still got dreams. You got dreams, man. Oh, I definitely got the dreams. Are dreams. you saying that? Are you saying that your breath smells like Similac? Is what? <laughs> like baby's milk, baby's formula. <laughs> I was like, what is Similac? Are you saying he's, he's still breastfeeding? Is that what you're saying? Jesus Christ! you had it coming. You had it coming. You're the youngest. I guess I walked into that. But um, anyway, <laughs> there's a few tiers to success. So the first. The first point is I feel like for me, just like make, getting to a point where I'm making a living on my own, that's a big part of it. Um, but then like there's the, the side where you're trying to find passion and just you're feeling satisfied with what you do. And 
that's, I mean, aside from the money, like as long as you can support yourself and be able to be sustainable, um, that's what matters. I feel like and find it, and like staying true to your roots and why you're doing certain things in the first place. That makes sense. You know, for, for me, it's all about purpose, intention, and vision. And, um, and, and so for success is not a, a destination for me. When I thought about this topic and prepare for today, to me, this is about the freedom to pursue this, not the guarantee you get it, right? One of the things that we're fighting against in our country today is that we now have a federal government who is fighting us to take those civil liberties away from us. When you think about DACA and you think about the dreamers, these are the kids who came and live as Americans. They had, they're in school with Sam, they're in uh, high school, they're in ele elementary school. They, they never knew anything else. And, we're, and, and so the American dream is, for me, that ability, success is the ability to have the freedom to pursue it not the guarantee that you get it. And, and as, as long as we have a government that is making decisions globally on our behalf that limits our ability to do that, there may be the death. That, then I agree with you, B, that there may be the death of the American dream. But as long as there's the ability to dream it, Right, as long as we're given that freedom, then Sam at twenty can have the hopes to that I had at his age, which is I'm never going to change, and I'm going to go to my core roots, and I'm going to have my position. And that's right. <laughs> and at sixty three, I can safely say to you, I still have my beliefs, and I still have my vision. And I have exercised my purpose. And I, it may not be exactly as I thought it would be. But the real risk and the real value of this conversation for me is it's under attack. And you can feel the palpability of that. But success is the freedom to, to, to try. As long as I have the freedom to try and you can't take that away from me, I feel successful. And that's really the, I mean, I think when I was reading over, you know, the American dream, basically even outlined in our constitution and all that, it really was the opportunity, right? It's not, not the promise. It's not, it's just the, the opportunity to try. You don't have to try, but that freedom and Phil, you really nailed it with that. The thing about the opportunity is that the system, everybody has the opportunity, but the way that the system is, some people don't have a fair advantage like everyone else. And, totally. so, and so some people, I'm just going to be honest with you. Okay, you guys, the way that I grew up, I, my mother put me in schools that she, we would call um, suburban or let's just call them white schools. Okay, I was bussed out. It was something called the Chapter 220 program. In the neighborhood that I lived in, the schools were okay, uh, but they weren't, they were just still kind of like compared to schools in suburbia or compared to schools that were way out there, 
the education is just better. So my mother put me in schools that were just way out there. My cl- I used to have to wake up early in the morning to catch a, uh, uh, a yellow bus to go to school. Nevertheless, I experienced being around other cultures. I experienced being around um, white folks primarily, let's just say that. Right. And so I realized that the way that I was taught in the white schools was... Um, was more thorough, you know? So I feel like not everyone has the same opportunity sometimes. It's like you have to, I was taught that I had to work harder than everyone else. I was taught that my average wasn't good enough, you know? And these are the same systems that everyone uses, but I have to perform at a higher level because of my skin suit, you know? So I think... When it comes to the American dream, yeah, everyone can achieve that. But sometimes the systems in place are not, they're not necessarily um, helpful for people who are, don't look a certain way, or don't have, a, don't fit in a certain category, you know. And so I think sometimes people become disappointed with the system because of that fact. And I think a lot of people are seeing the flaws within the system, but they've always existed by its very nature of being a system. Right. 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 I agree with, I agree with what you're saying. I did not have your experience. And I believe that the flaws in the system have to be addressed, but the death of the American dream would be the death of the opportunity to change those things. Right. And, and, and to me, it's Sam's generation, right? It's my generation screwed things up, right? We became purely capitalistic on the heels of the 1960s because all the guardrails came down and people monetized around that. And so morality became confused with capitalism. And so there, you know, so here we are. Right, and we have that represented around us. What's being attacked is our the systems that are in place that allow us to address the flaws. We can't even address them anymore. Right now, now we're you know the the various groups are at risk, but we're all at risk because of that. Right. Yeah, and I also think you know it's easier to even hide it now. Um, I have this big thing with social media. It pisses me off so bad um, because we can, we can mask success so well now and people are judging their hustle based on someone's highlight reel. And it's super detrimental. It's, it's really touting this, you know, 30 year old millionaire, billionaire, gazillionaire mindset when what you're seeing is a lie. Most of the time, not all of it. Some people on social media are not lying, but there's Good. Uh, I was just said success is the mask. Success, success is, the mask. is the mask. And success right. is no longer, you know, look at my house and my family and my car. It's look at my social media account, which can entirely be curated uh, to show whatever the hell you want. I, I literally got mad and yelled and threw my phone last night uh, the first time I used TikTok because <laughs> it's so infuriating what we are celebrating as success these days. There's a 17 year old girl on there. I don't remember her name because it's inconsequential. She's doing nothing. It's TikTok, but she's make she has this success 
life that other children her age are striving to have this success, but she doesn't have the talent yet. She's 17. She's doing just silly things online. Like, is that what we're striving for now? That generation? Anyway. Well, we need to take a commercial break. Oh, hold on. We're going to get to you, but we got to take a break, everybody. (laughs) It's still hot in here. Okay. Everyone, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break. Please like, subscribe, check out our Instagram at ok.america and our website, okamerica.us. We're going to be right back after this message. In a world that's ever-changing and a future ever-uncertain, more than ever, we're looking for ways to better our life, better our day, and redefine what it means to feel well. We at Kavana Health, an Oklahoma-based, GMP and kosher-certified manufacturer of hemp-derived ingredients and finished products, have had a core mission. All of us and each of us must redefine what it means to live well. Whether it's our tinctures, topical, or pet products, Kavana Health remains committed to the highest standards of production and packaging with the highest quality industrial hemp and a state-of-the-art extraction lab. Come shop with us at www.kavanahealth.com or say hello on Facebook and Instagram at kavana.health. We are Kavana Health, redefining wellness. All right, everyone, we are back from our break, and Dr. B was raring to go. Let's just hop right back into it. Dr. B, what'd you have for us? You know, I just wanted to talk about what success means for me. You know, um, I'll just want to say that success for me means how many people can I help make successful? I feel like if I can help make other people successful, that really makes me feel good. That makes me feel like I accomplished something. And in this day and age, it's very, very hard. You know, I, I consult and I consult with people in their businesses. And like I said earlier, a lot of people's businesses, <laughs> you know, it, some of them don't have businesses anymore. And so you feel a lot of responsibility, you know, when your job is to help make other people successful. But yet I still find a lot of pleasure in doing that. And that hasn't changed for me. So that's why I say the American dream has not changed for me. I'm still of the mindset of helping people to become successful. And I'm a lo- I agree with Phil, Dr. Phil, when you talk about how it's not, it's not a destination. Every day, you know, you, you, you're here, you're present, you're present with the possibility of success. Su- success for me also means having the ability, like you said, to achieve the American dream. Even though the system is not necessarily fair, you know, I know this, like I said earlier, I learned this early on as a child, and this was my first education. The system is not fair. My mother taught me that the system was not fair. The system taught me that the system was not fair. And so therefore I became an overachiever. Is it fair that I had to become an overachiever? No, it isn't. But that's the reality of the situation. And I think people need to also be aware of what it takes to achieve the so-called American dream, especially if you are African-American or a woman or a veteran or any other group that appears to be marginalized. Sam, what do you think about that? I mean, you know, you're, you're in college 
and you know your college experience was interrupted yeah. by the COVID nineteen experience, right? You're all trapped in the house. You're a musician, so you're a creator like like the rest of us on this on this podcast. But in terms of what you just heard, you were not in your head. But yeah. I, I I'm really interested in the viewpoint around your your peer group based yeah. on that. Do people feel marginalized in your generation? Um, elaborate a little bit. Well, so, so, you know, it's palpable when you hear Dr. B talk about her experience, yeah. right? And so, you know, her mother guided her to a place where she became an overachiever. It wasn't fair, but there are many, many people who become underachievers. Mm -hmm. Like there are a lot of white, black, uh, high income um, kids who lay on a couch. They don't go to college. They don't actually grow up ever. Or if they do, it's not till later, right? And so they're, they're, we call them gifted underachievers, right? And so we, we love the stories of the Dr. B's, but yeah. there, are, there are people who are, coasting in the world, but they're screaming that they're marginalized. And it feels to me that it comes out of your generation. Yeah, definitely. It's, I feel like it's a good representation of that. But um, also I was thinking like it's, it's the system that just like eats things up and spits it back out in a different form. And it's all based on like unfair, like Dr. B was saying, just like unfair levels. And people can definitely take advantage of that. Like I know people that have so many privileges in the world and they don't really have to do anything and they don't even actually, they aren't able to develop the skill of like working on themselves and working for anything really. So, so my point is, is that what is your generation doing? What do you all feel responsible for in leveling that playing field? Right. I mean, you're, you're 10 years away from taking over, um, sort of the the cultural adulthood of of the citizenship of America, right? I mean, it, it's no longer my world. Like I said, we fucked it up. I mean, when yeah. we were in our forties, we were all about those big houses and those big mortgages, and you know, it's our generation that proudly mean? talks about leasing BMWs because you can never afford one. Sure. What did you mean by leveling out the playing field? Well, so so the only way we can do this is to level out the playing field. How do we fix these marginalized sort of flaws in society? We all keep saying, well, the system spits us out, but we are the system. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, at some point, somebody's got to, like, take the steering wheel. Totally. We have to be accountable. The big issue is that we refuse to look at ourselves. We refuse to look at the fact that the system isn't created by itself. The system is created by people. And if people are dysfunctional, they're going to create a, dysfun a, a dysfunctional system. But like I said, a system by its very nature is very mechanical and people are not machines. And we need to know that. And sometimes when, you know, just the system by its very nature, people get caught into the machine and it doesn't work because it doesn't think, it doesn't feel, it doesn't have a heart. 
people have to be the passion within the system. And that's what we have to see today in order to affect change. We have to become the change that we want to see and then affect the system. Preach, Dr. B. Sam, how are you fixing this for us? You are the next generation. (laughs) It is your job. What are you doing for us? Yes, Sam, we're, we're done. We're done. It's up to you. Please get I mean, back I'm to in, us I'm in, in an that, hour. I'm in that too, but you know, I'm going to pass it to you because TikTok, that's why. TikTok's <laughs> complicated. You know, but but it's it, but but what we what I really want people to hear that are listening in is that the solutions are around us. It is not philosophical. I was on a um, I was lucky enough to be invited to a, a special seminar last night online by a group called Mind the Gap. And these are people who are, are data specialists. And the two and th- or, and the top two most effective organizations to get the vote out in your generation are the most underfunded organizations by donors. Right? So we love doing rock the vote. We love giving money to the Biden campaign or the Trump campaign or whoever, and we just send it out there. What they were showing us is there is it. And there, these people were, you know, they're your generation, right? These are brilliant young people. And they're like, let us show you what the data actually says. So you privileged people who have met that American dream. If you're going to, Donate money, donate money to these two. And if we get this amount of money in by then, and it came down to, this is what I'm saying, is that my generation doesn't know how to do this shit. These people showed me for $208, I can get a new Democratic voter, right? Through, like, it was stripped down to that kind of algorithm. And that is my point, is that if we're going to fix it, we, the solutions are there. We have to stop talking just about the problem and realize that there are solutions. Are you saying it's a numbers game? Like if we just hit those mass numbers like you're talking about, like we'll... No, I'm talking, I'm talking about purpose, intention, and vision. So my vision for this country is to save the American dream, right? To save the opportunity to have freedom. Right. So my intention is to understand where my money best allows us by the numbers. And the truth is, if we don't do certain things by September, Joe Biden won't be president in November. And that is that is it is not just the numbers, not linear, but it is a it, it fills in those flaws. Because how do we fix the redistribution of money and taxes to African-American neighborhoods where we can build up the schools? My kids, the African-American kids from the city were bused into their schools. But I also saw, because so many of them were athletes, that it took them, they didn't get home till nine o'clock at night. That was me. And they had to get back up at five in the morning and get back up on another bus. And if it snowed, it's they're screwed. I lived in Wisconsin. Exactly. (laughs) And so what happened? You know, the good do-gooder white people brought them in and let them sleep at their house. And we all had a 
African-American kid who was in my home, you know, who's a friend of my kid, it's fine. Those, those are palliative, but those aren't solutions. Yeah, but thank God for those people. Thank because God for if, those if people. If it wasn't for those people who, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for people that realize that we're all the same, then where would this world be? If some of those so-called do-gooder white folks also let me, you know, sleep or hang out at their house. I used to go to, I was in college while I was still in high school. And I had college courses while I was like a, uh, a junior in high school, like after school. And in between the time of when the classes ended and prior to going to my next class, my college classes, I had a lot of empty space. And there was an individual that would actually take me, make sure I had lunch or make sure I had dinner, make sure I had a place to stay before going to class, my second class, which was my college class. If it wasn't for people like that, I don't know where I would be, you know. So it's beyond just being a do-gooder white person. We need to get, we need to get over our issues with, with race. America is so absorbed with racism. This is a program that we're constantly playing and it's so tired because there is only one race and that's the human race. Well, what I would say to you, the only way we can understand that we're all the same is to understand that we're not. Yeah, we're a salad. Right? We're We're not. We're not. (laughs) I have to know you as a black woman and a black person in order for me to be in your life as a white person. If I treat you white, right, then I'm not seeing you. And if I rescue you and I'm a do-gooder, God bless, all that's great stuff and necessary stuff, but it isn't the solution, right? I think our fallacy is we believe that we're all the same. And because of that, people are so threatened that they want us to be different. So there, you know, the American dream lives for every white racist group out there who are making sure that this is a white America. It's not an Asian America. It's not a Latino America. It's not a black America. Right. I, I, I'm like so in because I'm post 1960s. Right. For me, it, it, it was my heroes were Martin Luther King and, and Mahat, uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Neither one of them white. Oh, John Lennon. He was white. <laughs> John Lennon is everyone's hero. I was like, John, John Lennon, Lennon is, is God, you know. <laughs> John Lennon and Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi all died by violence. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what happens. That's what happens when you're nonviolent, I guess. If you if you look at it that way. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking for these really really smart young people to say, let us show you some other ways that you guys have never done before. Let us show you how we use technology. Let us show you how we'll get the vote out. The the 18 year old, you were not around. You didn't vote, did you, in the last presidential election, Sam? I did actually. Oh, you did. Okay. So that was your first, right? Yeah. Uh, federal election to, to, uh, election in general that you were able to vote. Yeah. Right. 
That was the least amount of young people voting and the least amount of African-American people voting in, in, in the last 20 years. Yeah, well, I mean... It was, I it think was people are tired of it. They're tired of it. <laughs> well, why, well of Sam, why, Sam, why did you vote? Why did you vote? And were you one, I would be interested, were you one of your only friends that voted? And why are they not voting? Actually, no. Among my campus at school, like, everybody, well, I, I go to Western, which is in Bellingham, Washington, which is like, pretty far left, like, liberal. <laughs> and they're all crazy about, like, um, just voting and making sure that your voice is heard. There were signs everywhere. Like people were getting pissed off at when you were just not voting. So that's what I was kind of around during that time. So yeah, I definitely wanted to vote, and I didn't want it to like make a difference in the way that I have the privilege of doing. But um, a lot of it's just BS. A lot of it is just BS because I tell you sure. what, we only have so many parties we can pick from, and the people get in the office and they do the same shit. And so I think that sometimes, especially within this generation, the millennials, Mm -hmm. and Sam, you might be an exception to the rule, but I feel like a lot of the millennials are like, you know what? We're tired of this. This is the same system that didn't work for our parents. (laughs) It didn't work prior to that. So I feel like that's why some of the millennials are just not, they're just not buying what we, what we sold them. And I feel like they want to do something different. And, and in some cases, they're opting out of being involved in the things that like Dr. Phil and his generation were involved in, buying homes and voting. You know, keep in mind, the millennials are like trapped in this like really weird part of like the generations where there's like generations D and beyond, which is like, I feel like they're pretty innovative. They know how to utilize technology around them a lot more than before generate the millennial generation they have like right. are kind of like dying off over the next century and they don't have the power to really do anything yet and i mean they can be frustrated but they can't really do, they don't have like the power yet well so the millennials you're not a millennial you're a generation z but juliet's a millennial right probably you're probably on the young end of the millennial. And I would say that Dr. B is on the, the, the first edge of the, the millennials, but go to what you say, opting out. This is the passion, right? So the, the American dream hasn't died. It's just on life support. And we have people wanting to unplug it. And I am saying to all of our listeners, I'm saying to all of you and, and you should be saying to me, is like, let's tap into the Generation Z. Let's learn something. Yeah. We, we may not be able to change the system incrementally as we go, but we better get the system back or we will have nothing. But that, that unplugging it metaphor, that's really good. But um, that, the thing is, unplugging it can mean so many different things to so many different people. Like that's... I mean, I feel like people would interpret that so differently and it would benefit way different sides in different ways. Well, I think that's right. But what we want to do, what I want to do, what OK America needs to do is that we will not be OK America unless we opt back in. And opting back in, you know, when I I went out to this protest um, and met Linda there, she, she marched and I was in meetings, which again is this dichotomous of, I'm in meetings, she's out marching, I needed to be next to her, but I, I, I caught up with her and we knelt for eight minutes and 46 seconds. 
I was the oldest person in the crowd, for sure, one of the oldest people in the crowd. But in that silence came back 63 years for me. It really did. And I think we have to challenge people to, to something that, that Sam, your dad always says to me, we have to maximize the experience, right? We have to. We can't let ourselves live in the 400 years of racism. We're not going to change racism, but we better reclaim the flawed system we have or we have no shot at making any kind of strides. For sure. Right? It, does that make sense? Yeah, I, it does. I feel like before we even start with the system, we have to start with ourselves. Once again, we have to we have to take accountability to ourselves. And I think we live in such a society where it's either or, you know, either we're all the same or either we're not. But the reality of the situation is it's both. We're all we're all human beings. But at the same time, we're, we're unique. I like to say we're a box of crayons. We all are a box of crayons, different colors, but yet at the same time, we're still crayons. If we come together, we could make an amazing masterpiece, but we have to do that. I don't want people, um, you know, um, pacifying me because I'm African-American. That is so annoying to me. I don't want you apologizing to me because you're white. That is so annoying to me. That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not that person. Not all black people think the same. Not all white people think the same. Not all Asian people think the same. I think we need to realize that. I think this world is full of so many assumptions. But if we just start treating people the way that we want to be treated. And if we can take the time to be open enough to want to get to know someone, to realize what our bias is, to realize what our judgment is, and to realize that we all have this. When you say that all police officers do this, that's called a judgment. When you say all black people do that, that's called a judgment. We need to get real about our individual bias and our individual judgments that we all have, all of us. Everyone is a little bit racist sometimes <laughs> we, because that's how yeah. we view the world is through race. It doesn't well, mean we hate people. Right. And even beyond, beyond racism, everyone has this ability to judge, to prejudge. Whether we're prejudging someone who has a disability, we're prejudging them. Where we're prejudging this person, what they're wearing, we're prejudging them. And I think. We're just so lost because we don't want to be transparent enough. And that's why the system stays the way that it is, because we want someone else to fix it. We want it's someone else's problem. But it's all of our issues because we all struggle with it. And we're the ones creating the systems. Well, some of us. Some of us are not at the table to create. The well said. Well, <laughs> well I, I, <laughs> Dr. B, yes. I, I, I think we've broken down the table. And I, and, and, we have broken and it. We have. And, and we're not going to rebuild the table. What we, what we want to do though. And, and, and I well said, beautifully said, I agree with everything from the, my core. I'm just challenging each one of you to help me help everybody else do something about it. Because otherwise we're opting out of our only opportunity to take the American dream off of life support and let it breathe. 
That's right. People come. People are still coming to America because it is the land of opportunity. You know, we want to talk about privilege, okay? But how about living in America gives you a privilege compared to living in some other third world countries? And we yes. all experience that. And that's another thing we don't want to talk about because, again, everyone wants to play the victim. Right. And there might be some validity because there's issues with the system, but we have to get beyond that. How do we fix it? What are the solutions? First of all, it's on us. It's on the people. It's always going to be on the people. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of what that my takeaway from the, like, how do we fix it, right? The problem is so large that we get crushed under the table that we've broken. You know, we're sitting there crying next to the life-supporting American dream. So what are the tangible things we can take away? Um, I just, have, I just have one right now. It's the only one I can think about because the problem's too big. Uh, change what you can touch, right? Change what you can touch. You start with your neighbor. Start with, uh, you know, a local community group or a school. Change what you can touch. Uh, vote local. You, you don't think your vote matters nationally? You might be right. I don't know. I live in California. We're mostly Democratic here. So if you're a Republican, you're kind of screwed. But you can vote local and make change in your neighborhood that is going to have ripple effects. So that's my two cents for that. What do you guys think for, for our final thoughts? Well, I feel, I mean, I, I, this is a huge topic, you guys. Like, seriously, it's definitely not going to be resolved in one episode, you know. But I feel mm-hmm. like one of the things that we need to do as it, re- as it pertains to the American dream and, and success is get clear on what success means to you. You need to have your own definition for success. And it might not be what society says. Like women business owners have different definitions of success than men business owners. You need to get clear on what your definition of success is. You need to know that success is possible regardless of the system. The system can absolutely suck. However, you still can be successful in spite of the system. I think it's very important these days for people who feel like all is lost, for people who feel hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok. It's time for them to set new goals for yourself. You know, even in this time of great chaos, there's also an opportunity for great great reward, great order, new opportunities, even in this time they exist because there's people that are coming here still from other countries and they're making it happen. So if people can come from other countries and make it happen, some people don't even speak the language and they make it happen, then damn it, that means that we can make it happen. And we have to know that it's a mindset as well. We need to look forward to the future and don't let our current situation be the, uh, be the definitive, um, what I want to say, don't let your current situation affect your future. In other words, what you're experiencing now may suck, but that doesn't mean that your future is going to suck as well. (laughs) And we need to know that we have to be hopeful. We have, this is a time where we need to be hopeful. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sam. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Dr. B. Um, I think um, we, as a, as a nation, we just need to redefine what the American dream itself is. And part of that is just making sure that um, having the privileges of what the old American dream gives you, like you, you give that as a responsibility to yourself to kind of spread that around and kind of balance it out. 
And for me, I want everybody to understand that what we're fighting for is the opportunity to have an opportunity. And in order to do that, we can't fix the system until we get the system back. And that is America. America is the land of opportunity. It is not the land of success. Capitalism may not be the best bedfellow for democracy, but democracy is the only option we will have, which means we need everybody's voice. Because if we can get the American dream woken up again off life support, then we can look at the inequalities that go on. As you see by our podcast, as we talk about the American dream, we start talking about racism and prejudice and inequality. And that is what has happened in the last 20 years where we have moved away from, how did we go from a black president to fighting for our ability to be free? And so for me, to all of you, you guys are so talented, but we're going to need your generation, Sam. We're going to need my generation, and we're going to need the generations in between. Yeah. No, Julia? Race, we're split up by generations, and we need to blend that way, too. Absolutely. Yep, I, I agree. And for all of you listeners out there, we also need you. And we want to hear from you. This is a this discussion is not just because we're up here on a pedestal giving you our thoughts. This is a discussion with all of you out there. We're reaching out to you, being vulnerable, authentic, and trying to start this fire that hopefully is going to cause change. So comment on, on things. We will get back to you. We're going to have a YouTube channel soon. All that's here and good. Uh, engage with us. We love you all. This has been OK America. Rethink and reimagine.